We're going to Hebrews 7 and we're going to 2 Corinthians 6. Hebrews 7, 2 Corinthians 6. Now we've been on a series for several weeks now that we're calling Separate from Sin. Separate from Sin. Uh, Let's read our text and then we'll review just a little bit and go forward. In Hebrews the 7th chapter and the 25th verse. Hebrews 7.25, I'm reading from the Amplified. Read whatever you have there. It said, He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him, since He is always living to make petition to God and intercede with Him and intervene for them. Did you know you have personal representation at the throne? Mm-mm-mm. He's our advocate. He's our lawyer, you could say. He's our defense. Verse 26, he said, This high priest is perfectly adapted to our needs, as was fitting. He is holy. He is blameless. He is unstained by sin, separated from sinners and exalted higher than the heavens. Here a description of our master now, holy. How many know that word is used frequently in the scriptures? What kind of spirit do we have inside of us who leads and guides us all the time? Holy, Holy Spirit. The blood is holy. The word is holy. Our advocate, Jesus, is holy. He's holy, blameless, unstained by sin, separate from sinners, And separate from sin, we can see. Is he our example? Is it okay for us to be mired in the muck of sin all the time? Or can we also be like our master? Can we walk and operate holy and clean? Can we live separate from sin? You know, there is this thing that millions of Christians believe that they are sinners. Saved by grace. Did you hear me? Millions believe this. And it is not true. And because of that, millions believe the accompanying doctrine that you cannot go an hour or a half day without sinning. That we all sin all the time. That also is a lie. And the implication is that there's no way we could make it through a day. Without sinning. This is a lie. I said it's a lie. So no. Those things are not true. I won't even get into them right now. Because we preached on them for hours. But we went over. And asked the question. What is holiness? And we said what holiness is not. It is not. This religious superiority. That a lot of folk have gotten into. Like the Lord said in the prophets, the people who said, you know, that I'm holier than you. Don't get too close to me. Don't get around. I'm holier than you. No, real holiness is not some kind of religious superiority. Real holiness is Christ-likeness. It's being like the master. And how was he as he walked the earth? He was holy, blameless, 
right? Separate from sin. Somebody might say, well, Brother Keith, I've already missed being like Jesus. He never missed it. I've missed it numerous times. So it's already too late. No, it's not. Because by the blood, by the blood, we camped on that a whole night one time. Because of the blood, if you confess your sin when you've missed it and messed up, what happens? He is faithful and just to do what? To forgive you of all your sin and do what else? Cleanse you from all, 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 all unrighteousness. If you're cleansed from all unrighteousness, then how much sin does God see in you? Does he not see you? In Jesus' own righteousness? Does he not see you as the master himself? Yeah. So even if you blow it, you can repent. And by the blood, you're right, you're clean, separate from sin. Holy, by the blood. By the blood. We shouted about that one night. Whole night we talked about those things. We talked about resisting temptation. We went into some detail about how that the scripture says there is no temptation that is irresistible. There's no such thing as being overcome with a sin or a temptation. It was just too big. It just came in and overtook you. And next thing you know, it just happened. I don't know how many times I've ministered and tried to help people and they're crying going, it just happened, Brother Keith. I don't know. It was just bigger than I could deal with. That's a lie. Yes. Amen. There is no temptation. Taken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not suffer you. He will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able. Now see, modern churchianity has taken that and distorted it and said it means God won't put more on you than you can stand. That's not what that says. What did it say? He will not allow you to be tempted above what you can handle. What, well, I said like this, what you can resist. And no matter what's going on, there's a way of escape. There's a way out of it. You don't have to yield. You don't have to fall. You can resist. That's why if you do fall, you have to repent. Why? Because you're responsible. If you couldn't help it, you shouldn't have to repent. Because it's not your fault. But the very reason that you have to repent is because you could have resisted. You could have obeyed instead of disobeyed. So it is your fault. But thank God for the blood. Even if it is your fault, you can still get clean. You can still be forgiven. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we talked also about the deceitfulness of sin. We began talking, I guess the last four or so Friday nights, we've talked about the effects of sin. What happens when you sin? And oh, it's some bad stuff. The more you see this, it'll make you an anti-sin person. You will be very strong against sin. Now let's talk further about the effects of sin. A lot of rich things here tonight in the word. Are you believing God with me? Why don't let's just, uh, we'll pray just a minute further, release our faith. You know that what happens in the service is not just all up to me. Don't you know that? We are reliant and dependent upon the Holy Spirit. 
But also what he does in our midst is not just based on what the preacher does, but what the hearers and receivers do, right? All of us are together in this. So uh, let's join together. And you know, don't look at me and I won't look at you. We all look to him. And how many believe he could give you something real good tonight? Answer questions for you. Give you direct. I mean, that's why we showed up here tonight, right? Not just to look at each other, but to hear from him. Is he here? Is he real? He's got something good for us. Let's believe it. Let's be all eyes, all ears, all open, ready to receive. So close your eyes. Father God, I pray for the whole family here, all of us together. Our eyes are on you, looking to you. Give everyone ears that hear and eyes that see and a heart open and receptive. Let there come divine revelation of truth that makes free, answers to questions, solutions to problems, direction in life right now, deposits of your wonderful grace and strength and ability inside us to be overcomers in this life. Speak to us and we'll hear. Show us and we'll not be hearers only, but doers by your grace. Get glory to yourself in the victory in every area of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Said out loud, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. Second Corinthians 6 and verse 14. Are you there? Second Corinthians 6. And 14, I'm reading the New Living on this one. Read whatever you have. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can goodness be a partner with wickedness? Now he's asking questions, so let's answer them. How can goodness be a partner with wickedness? Doesn't work. How can light Live with darkness. Doesn't work. What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? None. So what about all these people that try to tell us that God has a working relationship with the devil? They're wrong. Right? God is not working with the devil. They don't get together and talk about what they're going to do with humanity. Hmm? No, God is our father. He loves us. He's for us. The devil is our enemy. He hates us. He's against us. No, there's no harmony between Christ and the devil. How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? Okay. What union can there be between God's temple and idols? Mm -mm. We are the temple of the living God as God has said, I'll live in them, walk among them, I'll be their God, they'll be my people. Therefore, come out from them and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. Separate yourselves from what? Well, you got to back up through the verse again. Unbelief, darkness, wickedness, the devil's stuff, right? All those things. Verse 18, I'll be your father, you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty, because we have these promises. Chapter 7, verse 1, dear friends, let us 
cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit and let us work toward complete purity because we fear God. NIV says, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Are there things, even though you've been born again, even though you've been washed by the blood, are there things in this life that if you participate in, it will contaminate you and defile you? Absolutely. Defile you outside, your outward man, and also what? This said that we are to cleanse ourselves. That's not something God does for us. Now, he cleanses us by the blood. But then in our conduct and in our life, God's not going to make us avoid things that will contaminate us. He'll give us the strength to resist if we choose to. But anybody can choose to yield. It's a bad choice. But you can. But he said, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Who does this? We do. do. Now with that in mind, go to 1 John now. Going somewhere tonight. You with me? There's some answers here tonight in the word. 1 John 5. 1 John 5, about, I don't know, a third of these verses in this chapter, quarter of them, deal with sin. What is sin? Let's just review that just a little bit. Because when you talk about sin, so many people, you know, their mind don't even want to hear it. They don't even like talking about it. They don't like thinking about it. And the reason is, is because they figure, I'm in sin, and I got sin in my life, and I've always been a sinner, and... I wish I could do better, but I don't like thinking about it. It just makes me feel bad. (laughs) Well, that's a defeated attitude, right? right? And that's not what the Bible says. No. What is sin? Well, let's back up a little bit. We read in 1 John that sin is the transgression of the law. When the Lord tells us something in his word, for instance, thou shalt not lie. Or steal. Well, if you see that and you know that, don't steal and you go ahead and steal, is that a sin? Absolutely. And then also, the Bible talks about in James, him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. Sin can be something you didn't do, right? But you knew to do it. You knew to do it. But you chose not to do it. Well, something you didn't do is a sin. Romans 14.23 says, Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Uh, One translation says it like this. Whatever is done without a sense of God's approval, a conviction that God approves of it, is sin. And looking at numerous other scriptures, we summed it up by saying this, sin is violation of light. God doesn't hold you responsible for what you don't know, what you don't understand, just what you do have and what you do see and what you do know. When you know not to do something and you go on and do it, you sin. 
Right? When you know you should do a thing. But you drag around and postpone and put it off and don't do it and don't do it and don't do it and just never do it. That's a sin. Right? Well, you know, think about this one. Because sometimes when you say sin, people uh, get defensive about this subject. Don't they? But not us, right? (laughs) Think about this. The Bible said the sin that the Holy Spirit would convict the world of, didn't say condemn now, convince, convict, is the sin of not believing on him. The sin of what? Not believing. Well, that's another way of saying whatever's not of faith. See, there are times, especially people like you and me, who have heard some word, who have some understanding of these things. When something comes up and we know it's time to believe God. You're with me now. We know it's time to resist this thing. It's time to stand and believe you receive. If you just wilt and just fall across the bed and act pitiful and feel sorry for yourself and don't try to resist it and don't try to believe for it and don't try to stand, then to you it's what? Sin. Because you know better. Right? You know you're supposed to believe in the Lord. You know you're supposed to stand. So uh, sin covers a lot of ground. Right? It has to do with each person's heart and what they know and what they don't. The light they have. Sin is violation of light. Now let's keep reading. He said here in 1 John 5, verse 16. If any man see his brother... Sin, a sin, which is not unto death. He shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin. Another way of saying that is sin is wrong. Righteousness, we talked about that word. Don't get thrown off by the usness on the end of it it's right the word is right or rightness or what's right well what would be unright wrong sin is wrong wrong is sin right (laughs) he said verse 18 we know now this is not something we think We know that whoever is born of God sinneth not. That's caused some (laughs) confusion and arguing among some camps. Does that mean that a believer cannot sin? Well, it wouldn't be hard to figure out (laughs) that that couldn't mean that because you and I are believers, right? And we know from personal experience (laughs) that believers can miss it. But the word here is not just cannot sin. What does it say? Sineth. And it's the word for a continuous thing. Present tense continuum. Sineth. What does that mean? Sins. Keeps on sinning as a way of life. How many understand that a believer in good fellowship with God is not practicing sin? Can't be. Right? You can't. You practicing sin, you're not in fellowship with God. 
Didn't say you missed it one time. I'm saying you're practicing it. You just keep on yielding, keep on yielding, keep on yielding. Well, you are not in fellowship with God. He said, but he that is begotten of God. Have you been born again? Keeps himself. Does that sound familiar to you? Keeps himself. Where did you hear something like that? See, we must cleanse ourselves. Keeps himself. And that wicked one touches him not. Now this is shouting ground. (laughs) Why should you live separate from sin? Why? Oh yeah, some of you got it strong already. Why should you keep yourself? Keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself in the faith of God. Keep yourself in the plan of God. Keep yourself out of sin. Why? If you do, and as you do, the wicked one cannot touch you. He can't touch you. Well, if he just came for that tonight, it would have been worth your drive. I'm telling you. He can't. Touch you now. I like that. I just like saying that all night long. The devil can't touch me. He can't touch me. The devil can't touch me. He can't touch my body. He can't touch my mind. He can't touch my marriage. He can't touch my finances. He can't touch my ministry. He can't touch anything I have. He can't touch me. He can't touch me. If. If. I'll what? I keep myself. Now see, he's been talking about sin. Sin, sin, sin through 16 and 17 and 18. So we know when he says keep yourself, what's he talking about? Keep yourself out of sin. Keep yourself out of sin. Now here is a great truth that we need to keep in front of us all the time. Sin gives the devil access to us. Sin opens the door for the enemy to work destruction in our lives. Just like faith and obeying God opens the door for God. Sin and disobedience opens the door to the devil. And what we got to do, we live in a world... Where so many people don't believe in God, or if they do, it's just kind of a, I don't know, they believe in God on paper, but not in reality. And people have tried to explain everything that happens on the earth and in our lives with some kind of randomness. It's the same mentality as the godless Big Bang Theory. So you don't believe in the Big Bang? I suspect there was a Big Bang when God said, let there be light. I, yeah, there was a lot of things happen. <laughs> but it did not just happen. And that same mentality, because people don't want to acknowledge God and they don't want to have God in their lives, they take that same mentality through all of their life. What do you mean? Everything good that happens, we were just lucky. Yeah, boy, I guess the stars were aligned. I've just been lucky. I don't know. Or they take credit to this. I worked hard. Man, yeah, I did what it took. 
I burnt the midnight oil. I worked my hands to the fingers to the bone. I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. I'm a self-made man. (laughs) If you really are, you ain't much. (laughs) I'm my own man. Then you ain't God's man. How many like to say, I'm God's man or woman? I'm, yeah. And anything I have that is good, I acknowledge that every good gift and every perfect gift has come from above, from the Father of lights, came from Him. Not luck. What is luck? We don't believe in luck. We don't believe in chance. Now, we're getting somewhere here. There's a reason. And there are reasons why people are blessed. It is not random. It is not by accident. There are reasons why some people are a hundredfold blessed more than others. There are reasons. It is not random. It is not by chance. It is not accidental or incidental. Now, if that's true, the other has to be true. There are reasons why people are cursed. If there's reasons why people are blessed, there are reasons why people are cursed. The Bible said the curse causeless shall not come. Why? What does that mean? There's a cause. And if there's destruction in our lives, another way of saying that is that the evil one, the wicked one, is touching us. God's touch brings healing. God's touch brings restoration. God's touch brings life and liberty, deliverance, blessing. The devil's touch brings destruction. Can the devil just destroy a part of your life when he decides to? No, he can't. He's not that big and bad. He'd like for you to believe he is, but he's not. How can you prevent the devil from touching you? Keep yourself. Keep yourself. Let's read this again real slowly. 1 John 5. Bible. New Testament. Right? What does it say? Verse 18. We know. Not we think so. Not sometimes. Not part of the time. We know that whoever. Who? It's not just a couple of people here and there. Whoever is born of God. You don't live to sin. You don't just practice sin night and day. But he that is begotten of God. Does what? Keeps himself. Well if you're not sinning all the time. You would be keeping yourself. You'd be cleansing yourselves. From all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. You'd be keeping yourself in faith. Keeping yourself out of sin. Keeping yourself in obedience and out of disobedience. And he that keeps himself, he that's begotten of God, keepeth himself. See, not just one time, keepeth. That's today, what do you do tomorrow? Keeping yourself, right? Got to keep on keeping yourself. Every day you got to keep yourself. Right? Why? Because there's temptations all around. Why does the devil tempt you? Oh, this will help you now. The devil tempts you because he wants to touch you. 
If you don't yield to the temptation, he has no right to touch you in destruction. He that keeps himself, has begotten of God, keeps himself. And what does that last phrase say? And that wicked one touches him not. What a word from God. What a word from God. Keep yourself and the devil can't touch you. Keep yourself and the devil cannot touch you. Well, what if the devil's touching you? Hmm? People don't like it this simple. <laughs> but I don't care if it's you. I don't care if it's me. I don't care who it is. The devil is not big enough to just wade through God and wade through the Holy Ghost and wade into your life and destroy you when he decides to. If he could, we'd all be dead. I know years ago when I first got into ministry, I was in training and this thought kept coming to my mind. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. I mean, for days, this thought kept coming to my mind. I didn't realize everything I, as much as I understand now, but it was the enemy. He's trying to get me to think on this and say this. You won't live very long. You're going to die soon. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And the devil is a persistent cuss. He'll just keep bringing stuff night and day, day after day. And if you're dumb, you'll listen to it. But thank God for the Holy Ghost. Inside me, I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but inside me, the Spirit of God spoke up. He said, why don't you ask him why he hasn't already done it? God's smart. Oh, he's really smart. I thought, yeah. And the more I thought about it, I just got sassy. I thought, yeah. Yeah. Why hadn't you already killed me, bad boy? Oh, you bad. You're going to kill. Why hadn't you already done it? I guess just because you like me, you said you let me live. If he could have killed you, he'd have killed you in your mother's womb. He'd have killed you when you was a year old. He tried to. How many times has your life and mine been spared from accidents? I know you're like me. I got so many stories I could tell. A teenager, 13 years old. I put some glass packs on my motorcycle. I didn't even got a driver's license. I'm 13 years. And it was raining, but I had to hear them. I got new pipes. You understand? You got to hear them. So I'm a blasting of a guy who wanted to ride with me. So he jumped on the back. We took off. We're a blaring because you got you to get into it a little bit so you can hear the pipes, you know. And we come around a curve and there was an oil slick. You know how to do sometimes, you know, it was <laughs> oil and gas film on the road. I mean, the next thing I know, boom. And I'm sliding on my hands and knees and face at about 50 miles an hour through this car. The only thing going through my mind is I'm thinking, my hands. <laughs> my hands. I could just feel, you know, the pavement just tearing into them. But I thought, my hands will never be the same. And just about time I'm sliding over the hill comes this giant Buick. And they used to make Buicks. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. With bumpers. That you could anchor a boat with. I mean, you know, and this one of these kind of old Buicks come over the hill just flying, and there I am sprawled out in the middle of the road. 
I saw him. He's sliding. He's got the same oil slick curve that I fell down in, you know. He's sliding. And I mean inches before my head, the thing stops. And I'm sitting there looking at him. What's going on that day? Couple of things. Keith's not being led. (laughs) Huh? The devil's trying to kill Keith. He wouldn't even have that opportunity if Keith would have been more led. But Keith's a 13 year old boy and has never heard how to be led by the Spirit. I'm so glad our young people are being taught how to be led by the Spirit. Not taught to check your heart before you just run and do something. Not taught that it makes no difference what kind of plans you've got. Check your heart. Follow your heart. Be led. But thank God, even though the enemy has tried to take your life and tried to destroy you and me countless times, God has kept us. By his angels and by his Holy Spirit to this present hour. And if we will keep ourselves out of sin, God has a perfect legal right to continue to keep us in complete protection. And the devil has no right to touch us. None. None. Man, I like thinking about that. Glory to God. Say it out loud. If I keep myself, the devil can't touch me. What does that mean? That means your increase and your prosperity is not devoured. Your stuff doesn't break. You don't have accidents. You don't get sick. Did you hear me? It means blessing after blessing after blessing. And you just go year after year and don't have the troubles that other people have. Hmm? Why? Because the devil can't touch you. Now notice, are you there in John? Gospel account of John? Now you're in 1 John. Well, I hadn't told you that yet, had I? You mean you didn't pick it up? Uh, Go to John. (laughs) John, Big John, the fifth chapter. You're in Little John, go to Big John. John 5. Now, uh, are you with me in understanding how much of the world has this mentality of no matter if it's good or if it's bad things that happen, nobody knows why and stuff just happens. Right? Luck of the draw. No luck. Stars not in alignment. I mean, on and on and on. But most of the time people just go, well, we don't know why. You know, stuff just happens. No, stuff does not just happen. There are reasons why good things happen. And there are reasons why bad things happen. Now you may not know what they are, but that doesn't mean they're not there. Just because you don't know what the reasons are, doesn't mean there weren't any reasons. Well, there is no reason. Well, you just said you're ignorant. Tell it truthfully. Just say, I don't know what the reasons are. But don't say there is no reason. There are reasons. Look at this. In John 5, you know the story here that Jesus came and there were five porches full of sick people. And the Spirit of God led him to this man who had been infirm in his body for 38 years. 
you know the story, he got healed. How many know it doesn't matter how long it's been that way, you can still be healed? And I said, yeah, but I've had this condition for 20 years. So he had this one for 38. Right? Well, I've been this way all my life. So? All that means is you've been that way. Doesn't mean you have to stay that way. We serve a God with whom nothing is too difficult or impossible. And he ministered to him. And he did what he told him to do. And he was healed. And the Bible said. Verse 14. John 5. 14. Afterward Jesus found him in the temple. And he said to him. Behold you are made whole. What's the next thing? Why bring that up? Why bring that up? Sin no more, lest a worse thing come, a worse than what? Well, back up, back up and look at it. Verse 5. A certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. One translation says a deep-seated lingering disorder. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew he had been a long time in that case, he said to him, will you be made whole? And it said the impotent man or the man without strength. Was he in a bad way? If you read the whole passage, you see he said he didn't have anybody to put him in. What does that mean? He couldn't move himself around. He was very little mobility. Little or none. He's dependent on other people to move him around. He's been that way for 38 years. And the Lord tells him what? Let's jump to the part we read. Now the verse we read. He said you've been made whole. Was that the will of God? Well you know it was. What else did he say? Sin no more. Let's just stop right there. What does that mean? He has sinned. Right? He's saying, you know, the sin that you sinned, don't keep doing. Don't do it anymore. Less what? Worse than what? 38 years being paralyzed or semi-paralyzed or sick, weak. Well, then it would be bad then. Well, what would him sinning have to do with that? See, people don't like to talk about these things, do they? See how quiet it gets? People saying, are you trying to say that I've sinned? No, we all know you've sinned. (laughs) We ain't trying to establish nothing. That's a well-known fact. (laughs) You've missed it, and I've missed it. Right? You've missed it more than once, more than ten times, and so have I. There's no need anybody getting huffy about it. Are you trying to say that I've sinned? <laughs> well, we could see you sinning right now. Pride, unbelief, judging. Hmm? No, let's have some Bible understanding, some spiritual understanding. Broke is not normal for the child of God. All your stuff breaking. 
wearing out prematurely. Always having trouble with your stuff. It's not normal for the child of God. Always being sick is not normal for the child of God. See, so many people have gotten used to it. But it's not normal for us. We're supposed to be victorious. Depressed is abnormal for the child of God. Depressed, defeated, sick, broke is all abnormal. And evidence that the enemy is touching us. What's the question? How's he touching us? How's he getting to us? Right? That doesn't mean that you robbed a bank. It doesn't mean that you're in adultery. Whatever's not of faith is sin. Him that knows to do good and does it not is sin. Not walking in the light that you have. And that's why it's so confusing to people sometimes because they see situations and they say, that just don't seem right to me. Well, you don't know them. Oh, yeah, I've been around them 20 years, like I said. You don't know their heart. You don't know every thought and every intent of their heart. Right? You don't know what they're walking in and what they're not. What we do know is it's the will of God for all of us to be free. We know that. It's the will of God for all of us to be healed and whole and healthy and strong and live a long life and be satisfied and see his salvation and his goodness in the land of the living. We know that. We know that. Had to be the will of God because Jesus went about doing good and healing everybody that would receive it from him who were oppressed of The devil. The Bible said everybody that Jesus got healed were oppressed of the devil. What does that mean? What does oppress? Take off the O. What's happening? He's touching them. Is that right? Enemies touching their life. What's happening? Destruction. Something's being destroyed. And intelligent Christians with understanding, what should they immediately begin to think? How's he touching me? Right? He's not supposed to be touching me. Let's shut this door. Let's stop the fire. And if you have to, fast a couple of days. Spend some extra time in prayer. God will show you. I said, he'll show you. He's not trying to hide anything from you. He's, so many times, though, when you see it, you'll realize it's like this. Sometimes people are going, God, would you please show me? What is it, Lord? Please. Oh, God, if you'll just show me. Lord, if you'd just let me see it some way. Oh, God, speak to me. Please show me. Oh, Lord, let me see it, please. Oh, God. (laughs) And finally, you'll go, huh, this? Well, that's been there for 10 years. Exactly. And that's why you got in trouble. That's why you got touched. Hmm? What is the great, wonderful truth? If you keep yourself, the wicked one touches you not. He can't touch you. Now go to James, please, the fifth chapter. Now see, we're talking about the effects of sin. Why should we resist sin? Why should we do everything 
that we should do to obey God and give the enemy no place. Why? Because sin gives the enemy access. It opens the door. So he can touch us. And when he touches, it brings destruction. James chapter 5. And we'll begin in verse 13. This is a very familiar passage to many in the church. Because it talks about praying for the sick. But look at something here. Verse 13. Is any among you afflicted? Other translations bring out, is any among you in trouble? What do you do? Hmm? No, the language is very specific here now. What? Turn in a prayer request. No. Hmm? Are you going through trouble? Are you in affliction? Are you in trial? Are you, what's another way of saying this? The enemy's touching you some way. Right? What do you do? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. You know, it wouldn't be appropriate for me to say, uh, Don, I'm happy. Sing, brother. Come on, I'm happy. Sing louder. See, that sounds strange to you. And yet, what about this? Brother Don, I'm in trouble. Pray. That doesn't sound strange to us. It's just as strange. Now, keep that in mind. Keep reading. Verse 14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Somebody said, well, see there, that said call for him. I know it did, but it's another thing. He talked about one area. Now he's talking about another area. Is any sick among you? Let him. Now that's still a let him. Even though he's not the one doing praying. Still him's supposed to call. Before I learned this. I made some mistakes. There were times that people said. You know brother Keith. My third cousin on my brother's side. Is sick in the hospital. Would you go visit him? And there were times I did. And you walk in, they go, well, who are you? Well, you know, (laughs) this friend of your brother, of your second cousin, said, you know, that you were sick. He said, well, I don't believe in that stuff. Well, what do you do? You leave. Shouldn't have gone to start with. Right? That's why it said what? If him or her doesn't have enough faith and respect to call to start with, then they're not a candidate to receive. Amen. Now, this is talking about people who are at their self and, and can think and can call, obviously. Do you see this now? And sometimes people, if I, you know, that talk to us, you know, and our visitation teams, and we say, well, do they want them to come? Well, I don't know. I don't think they would ask, but they need you to come. Well, that's not okay. Are they at their self? They have strength. Could they ask? Well, yeah. Well, let them ask. You mean you're not going to go? Not unless they ask. No. That's what the Bible says. See, people get their religious traditions and they relish those more than they do the word. But no, let him, still let him. But in this case, somebody else is praying and believing. The elders. 
Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise him up. If he's committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. That you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now let's skip on down. Verse 19. Just a couple of verses later. If any of you do err from the truth and one convert him. Let him know that he which converts the what? Do you see what this passage is dealing with? Sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death. And shall hide a multitude of sins. Well, which one of these is right? Which one do we do? Do I pray for myself? Or do we pray for each other? Or do I call for the elders to pray for me? Which one do I do? Do I just try them all? See which one works? Which one do I do? You see where some confusion has come in. There are people sometimes they think, well, the only way that they could be healed is if somebody uh, in particular anoints them with oil, or the only way they could be healed is if somebody prays a prayer of agreement. No. The reason they're different phrases is because we are at different levels. The implication is, if you are weak, virtually beyond helping yourself, call for the elders what if you're just going through trials and you're okay spiritually what do you do let him pray now if we had time and the Lord let us there's a whole seminar here but there is no set rule book about how you're to minister to someone thank God for the Holy Spirit But we must realize that as a person grows and develops, God expects and requires more of them. I've had people that have helped me and family members. And in the beginning, they had faith in my faith. Because they knew I worked in healing school, Brother Hagin's ministry for a number of years. And they knew we'd ministered to people for years like that. And they knew about people who had been healed and even family members that had been healed. And so when they got sick, they wanted me to pray. Well, that can be okay if they really are a baby. But there comes, after a passage of time... God expects people to walk in the light that they have. And particularly people that you have prayed for and they did get healed. Did you hear me? You did agree with them and the money came. And you did this and you stood together and it came. Eventually, God won't let you carry them. He won't let you just believe for them and them not believing. It's exactly the same way whether it is naturally or spiritually because the two overlap. You see, sometimes parents keep their children dependent upon themselves. Did you hear me? And actually cripple them emotionally in other ways. You got a child sometimes that's off to college now and can't even decide what they're going to eat for lunch without calling mom and daddy. (laughs) 
You say, what's wrong with that? Everything. I'm so glad my folks didn't do that to me. I appreciate it. One reason that people do it sometimes is because they can't bear the thought of not being needed. And they do it in the name of loving their child, but it's not true. If you love the child, are you listening now? If you love the child, you will wean them off of you onto the Holy Ghost as soon as you can. One of the big reasons you ought to do it is because the Holy Ghost is a lot smarter than you are. (laughs) If all they got is you, they're severely limited. And also, if you don't, there's going to come a time, and maybe sooner than you'd like for it to be, when the Lord will not allow you. To receive it for them. And now if they haven't been using their faith all along. They're in a dilemma. They need something. And they haven't developed. And they're not ready. I know uh, some years ago a friend of mine. They helped me when I was going to school back many years ago. And then they started a little church. And I we went and held meetings for them for years and years. And they started out a little bitty thing and grew up to a big thing. And we knew their uh, uh, children when they were just very, very small. Well, over the years, they grew up. And I'm there holding a meeting. And his, uh, I believe it was his 17-year-old daughter, was in the bed sick. And, of course, we'd known them for what, 10 of those years. She wants Brother Keith to come pray for her. Well, we go a ways back. She's seen me minister in their church. She knows of testimonies of people got healed in their church. She knows. And I've prayed for them before and prayed with them before. I walked in there and I started to lay hands on her. The Lord said, nope. I said, what do you mean? No, I didn't hear a voice, but inside me, he said, nope. I said, What? I know what you will for to be healed. I don't mean to hurt a voice, but inside me, the Lord's communicating with my heart. How many understand? Sometimes you can know something take you 30 minutes to try to explain it, but you knew it in a split second. Revelation. And I knew by revelation, she's heard her mom and dad teach faith all her life and healing. And she hadn't been trying to believe for herself. And the Lord said, no, no, she knows me. She teaches faith in the Sunday school. How many of the Lord knows? I didn't even know that. (laughs) But it wasn't too hard to figure out. She's the pastor's daughter. She's 17 years old, right? I mean, she teaches faith and healing to the other youth. How many know it's not enough just to teach it? Got to practice it. You got to live it. Uh, the Lord dealt with me, no, don't you pray for her and try to believe, just believe me for her healing. You tell her that I will hear her prayer. You tell her that I will respond to her faith and that you will agree with her. Now this, I'm just giving you this one example. This has happened so many times to talk about, and even sometimes I've had helpers before that helped me. 
And they said, Brother Keith, I want you to agree with me on this. And after a while, the Lord said, no. No, you tell them they pray and you'll agree with them. And I've had some of them look at me and say, you ain't going to pray? I said, no. No, you pray and I'll agree with you. Well, I want you to pray. I said, well, the Lord will hear you. Well, yeah, but this is important, Brother Keith. I said, I know it is. You mean you ain't going to blame for it? I said, yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Go ahead and pray. I'm ready to scotch for you. Take off. <laughs> and I've had folk even get, they get aggravated at me like, Puh. well, I'll just go blame for myself then. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Exactly. Because yeah. see, God's plan is that soon and very soon people are going to be looking to them. Oh, come on now. Are you with me? Instead of them looking to someone else, people will be looking to them for help and assistance. And they can't run try to get somebody else because they'll be the one that somebody's coming to. You look around, nobody else will be there. It's just you. They're looking for you to pray. They just got saved. They don't know the word. They have faith in your faith. And the Lord will allow you to do that when people are genuinely spiritual babies. In fact, see something very powerful in that passage we've already read back over in 1 John. We just read over it. We didn't talk about it too much. But look at this. This is something I don't think we've, uh, we've operated much in. But it's wonderful. I've actually done this more than once and seen wonderful mercy and gracious results. In 1 John 5, verse 16. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. What does that mean? That's you asking for mercy in life for somebody you saw sin and God having mercy on them and sparing them because you asked him to. But how many understand that's not going to work? For somebody who knows better has been walking with God for a long time and they know what to do and they just refuse to do it. That's a different thing. So there's no pat answer. There's no, if anybody ever comes out with a 950 volume set on what to do in every situation, save your money. Because I'm going to tell you what to do in every situation. What to do in a million and one situation. What do you do? Be led. Be led. Every time. Be led. Be led. Be led. Be led. Glory to God. Well, hallelujah. We've already made some good ground tonight already. Already. Go to Romans 8, why don't you? And I'm thinking about getting ready to start to close. I'm just thinking about it. Oh, thank you, Lord. Romans chapter 8. Now, we saw a great word tonight that if you would keep yourself, what had happened? All kind of bad stuff wouldn't happen if you keep yourself. And, uh, you know, Brother Hagin, Kenneth Hagin, my father in the faith, as I mentioned, I'm not saying something personal that he wouldn't want said. He's preached this all over the country and put it in books. 
But he said in his decades of Christian service, he was only really sick two or three times. God kept him. In uh, what, almost 70 years of service? And he said every time that he really had a problem is because he missed it. I'll give you an example of one of them. He was preaching in a place one night. And he was a preacher, not a teacher. So man, he's spitting cotton and waving his arms. Let me know what I mean by that. He's going to town. And he got all animated and excited. And he kind of took a big step, jumped off the platform over the little altar. You know, they had a little altar, what do you call them, bench or rail that's about yay tall. He jumped over that. Of course, he was younger. And he said he's sailing over that thing, you know, he's shouting and preaching. And he sailed over that thing. And as he was coming over the altar, he glanced down and there's somebody's brand new reel-to-reel tape recorder at his landing spot. (laughs) Of course, this is before the cassette tape days and nobody was thinking about CDs. And this is big reel-to-reel and somebody had just bought him a new one and they was taping the service and he didn't know it was there. And didn't see it till he sailed over the uh, altar bench. And as he's descending now, he tried to maneuver himself where he wouldn't hit the tape player. And in his moving around, he fell on his elbow. And when he did, he knew he was hurt. But he said he kind of held it and finished preaching his message and gave his altar call. And, and when he went back in the back, the pastor was saying, uh, are you okay? He said, uh-uh. He said, well, I'll take you to the emergency room. He said, okay. And he said, on the way there, of course, he'd been operating in the prophet's ministry. And the Bible talks about, it says, the word of the Lord came to the man of God saying, he said, he heard sound to him like somebody in the back seat. And told him not to worry about it, that he'd talk to him about it later. <laughs> well, he went to the uh, he went to the hospital. The doctors examined him and said, "Well, the good news is you didn't break your arm." He said the bad news is it's worse than a break. He said this particular uh, some of the ligaments and some of the joint here is splintered. And the shoulder is out of place. And you couldn't stand the pain for us to put it back in place. We'll have to put you to sleep. And we'll put it back in place. And uh, you'll have to wear a a sling. And then we'll have to work on it and put in a cast. And it's going to be a while. And you'll never have full use of that arm again. It's that bad. He said the Lord had told him, don't worry about it. So he didn't. And he said, fine, okay. So they put him to sleep. And uh, when he came to and the nurses and doctors had came by, he said they kind of walked softly around the bed, kind of looked at him funny. And eventually one of them had told him, said, uh, you sang in tongues through the whole operation. <laughs> Spoken tongues. and so His body was under, but you can't put the spirit under. I care how many shots you give the spirit it, He sang in tongues and spoke in tongues while they were working on him. 
And they sensed the presence of God in the room. And that's why they were thinking, wow, this is, ooh, what is this? So anyway, he said uh, they wanted him to stay for a day or two. So he's staying and they had his arm in a sling. And so he got up and he walked up and down the hall some because he's okay other than this. And he said he came back and he was laying in the room. So the door was partly ajar and he heard steps come down the hall. And he said he thought it was one of the nurses, you know, and the door opened. And he said for some reason he looked down and he saw it was bare legs. And they were hairy. And he thought, <laughs> he thought it was one of the nurses, you know. And he, <laughs> and he looked up and it was Jesus. And it was open vision. He said he saw him just like you see any man. He thought it was a nurse walking in the room. He said the Lord walked up to the foot of the bed, took a chair, pulled it around to the corner of the chair and sat down with him. And said, I told you the other night in the car. That I'd talk to you later about this. He said never in a thousand years. Did he imagine the Lord would actually show up. And personally talk to him about it. He said. uh, The reason this happened. He said you might ask. He said. uh, Lord did you know this was going to happen. He said almost before he's thinking something. He said the Lord's answering it. Before he had a chance to say anything, he'd start to think something and the Lord would say, you might say, did I know this is going to happen? He said, certainly I did. He said, you might say, could you have prevented this from happening? He said, yes, but you better be glad I didn't because if things hadn't been changed, you wouldn't have lived past 50 years of age. And he said, the reason that you got in trouble is that you've been putting your teaching ministry Ahead of the prophet's ministry. I called you to this ministry. And you haven't done what I told you to do. With the healing anointing. Now let's just stop right here. He fell. We'd call it an accident. What do people in the world say? Accident. It just happened. He tripped. He fell. He hurt himself. Could have happened to anybody. Right? Is that true that things are just random? No. No, there are reasons why things happen. Could God have spared him from falling? Yes, he could. Yes, he could. Why didn't he? When he had kept him from so many other things, why didn't he? There was a reason why. Wasn't God's perfect will, but there's some reason why the Lord wasn't able to. So, he told him, he said, you haven't done what you should have done. With this particular anointing. With the things that I told you to do. And it had been years. And now he was at the place where. If it wasn't changed. If he didn't correct it. Then his life is going to be cut short. Well thank God. He got it straight. And he changed it. And he lived past 50. And he lived past 60. And he lived past 70. And he lived past 80. Hallelujah. Went home to be with the Lord. After a lot of years, well, the same thing is true concerning you, concerning me, concerning every one of us. If you want God's perfect and best, you have to do his perfect will. Right? And if you keep yourself in the will of God and you keep yourself out of sin, what does the enemy do? It's like he's on a plate glass on the outside. Look in and he wants to hurt you. He wants to get to you. But he can't. 
We see evidence of God's keeping power even in the Old Testament before Jesus with Job. Right? The devil had been round and round. Oh, he wanted to get to Job so bad. And he told God, he said, you put a hedge about everything he's got. How'd he know about it? He's been around that hedge 10,000 times. (laughs) Trying to get in, wanting to get in, wanting to hurt him. There's one thing the devil hates. He hates a righteous man. But oh, he hates a righteous billionaire. Oh, oh, that's something hard for him to take. He bad wanted to hurt Job. Why? Because Job had the power to use his righteous influence. In this world, money is power and influence. So when you keep yourself, the wicked one touches you not. And when you're being touched and things are not, you know, you're not kept like you're supposed to be. And, and things don't turn around like they're supposed to. What should we begin thinking? Well, I know I've failed. I've just missed it in so many ways. And I've just come. Oh, quit it. Quit it. It's got nothing to do with what we're talking about. That's condemnation. And it's not repentance. You can cry all night long about how sorry you've lived and not repent. Repent means turn. Change. Admit it. Confess it. Receive your forgiveness. Get back up on your feet and say, he's the glory and the lifter of my head. Thank you for showing me that, Lord. I'm going to fix it now. I'm going to do differently. Right? And then you take away the enemy's power and access to you. Hallelujah. Romans 8. All this has been talking about the effects of sin. And the Bible said in Romans, well, let's, all this flows together. So back up to 623. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Romans 623, and then we'll jump over to 8. What does it say, Romans 623? The wages, the pay, the results of sin is what? Death. So when you see death in operation, what do you know? But the gift of God is what? Life. Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now jump down to chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore what? Hmm? Don't get miffed. Don't get upset. Don't get hurt. Don't think, well, I know what I'm sure I've missed it in so many ways. What good does that do? Where'd you miss it? Oh, I don't know. I've just come so sure. Oh, that's spiritual pride. Trying to act like you're humble. When you're not. Did you hear me? Well I missed it. Where did you miss it? Well I don't know. Well then this is just a waste of time. I'm serious. People play all these games. And and get so mired up in the muck of this stuff. And condemnation destroys your faith. Takes away your confidence. And while you're rolling around in this. The devil's kicking you some more. Touching you some more. Destroying you some more. Well I've missed it. Where'd you miss it? Where'd you miss it? Let's repent. Get it right. Right? And then get up and cast the care of it over on him. Get up and rejoice in our salvation. Well, I missed it over there. Well, aren't you glad you see it now? So we don't have to miss it again. Slam the door on the devil. Right on his nose. And then just get sassy and go, nah, 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 you can't touch me. And he can't. I said, and he can't. (laughs) 
But how many understand if Christians really understood this when they are sorely tempted to sin, what would happen? They'd look at it and go, uh-uh, no, I ain't that dumb, no. I'm sure you'd like for me to go ahead and do that, now wouldn't you? You're just laying there ready, ready to hurt me. No, no thanks, no, no, no. No, I'll just keep you waiting. I'll just go on and pray and read my Bible and go to church and obey God and just keep you waiting another year. And yeah, I'll just make you wait this year too, yeah. And another 10 years. And another 10. Oops, Jesus came. Uh, <laughs> you, uh, you missed your chance. You never gave him one. Doesn't the Bible say, neither give place to the devil? What does that mean? Do we have to give him an opportunity? Do we have to pop up and set our shield of faith aside and go, okay, I'm going to give you a shot today, but you better take it quick. Do we ever have to give him a shot? Give him play? We don't have to. You can keep him waiting indefinitely. You can keep him going round and around the protection of God on your life going, there ain't no way to him. There ain't no way. Oh, I want to hurt him, but I can't. I can't. As you go on, just get more blessed and more blessed. Why? Because he is the one who had, past tense, the power of death. How was he able to work it? Through sin in the earth. Oh, but this one. You got this one here? Romans 8, verse 1. What does it say? There's no condemnation to us now. Who what? We don't walk after the flesh. We walk after the spirit. Why? Oh, what's the shouting ground right here? What does it say? Because for... The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Free. Free. See, sin and death is a cycle, isn't it? You sin and what happens? Death. Why? Because the enemy's touching you. Has access to sin and die. Doesn't mean you physically are dead. No, uh, eventually that can happen, but something in you dies. Something in your life, death is working in you. Depression, fear, anxiety, poverty, lack, pain, infirmity, all of that stuff. Sin and death. Sin and death. Sin and death. And until Jesus came, there was not the power to completely liberate a soul. From that cycle and from that law because people kept on sinning. So death kept on working and the devil kept on touching. But now, but now, one has come. The son of God, born of a virgin, has come and he shed his own blood on the cross. And he brought his own blood before the holy of holies. And he's obtained an eternal redemption for us. And because of that now, the law, the law, here's a greater law than the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has superseded, overpowered, become greater than that law of sin and death. Even though we're in the world and it's working all around us, the law of the spirit of life is working stronger in us than the law of sin and death is working around us. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I thought I was through, but I'm not quite through. Can you take a little more? 
Here's another area. Go to 2 Timothy. That, that was a real good place to quit. Good place to end. But there are numerous situations of people, you have loved ones and you have friends that are in a bad way. They are being destroyed. Most of these are people who are not here that I'm talking about right now. They are being destroyed. And when you don't pay attention to the word, when you don't, you don't follow the leadings of the spirit, then you'll just try to do the same thing for everybody every day in every case. Well, let's pray for them. Lord, heal them in Jesus' name. Thank you. Well, Lord, Lord, heal them in Jesus' name. Thank you. Let's just pray for them. Lord, heal them in Jesus' name. Thank you. And sometimes people think, well, if we just get enough people praying and we throw enough of these prayers out here, some of them are hit maybe. And it's a shot in the dark type deal. But can you see just from the things that we've touched on, there are times the Lord will tell you, uh-uh, don't pray for them. Hmm? No. They are to do this. They are to receive this for themselves. You can agree with them. And there are times, we read through the one, he said, there is a sin unto death. I don't say pray for it. There are times the Lord will tell you, uh-uh, don't pray about that. And you don't know everything. You just have to take his word about it. But here is something that you can pray again and again for individuals. I've seen wonderful results with this. In Second Timothy, the second chapter, you see this principle. How do I pray for my brother, my cousin, my sister, my mom, my dad? Their life is a mess. Some of them have been born again. In times past, they've backslid. Some of them have not been. He said, 2 Timothy 2 and 24, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient. Never let anybody, particularly your own family members and friends, embroil you in arguments about faith and the word. Don't do it. The servant of the Lord must what? Must not strive, but you must be what? Well, they're wrong. So? You've been wrong. God was merciful. There's people in this room that were wrong. I mean, big time, aggravating, annoying wrong. For 30 years. And the Lord had mercy. And he just stayed with you and stayed with you and stayed with you. Stayed with you, was kind. And when you got ready to straighten up, he was still there, right there. He's your example. Servant of the Lord must not what? Don't strive. Don't fuss. Don't fuss. Somebody starts getting huffy about something. That's when you back off. You go, hey, hey, I'm not trying to make you do anything. I don't believe that. Okay, fine. I love you. want to see you do good. want to see you blessed. I don't know everything. Drop it. Back off. Did you hear me? He said, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will what? 
give them repentance, what would they be repenting from? Sin. Repenting of sin to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Lord, help me to express this properly. See, so many times people are saying, you know, y'all pray for cousin so-and-so. Man, his life is messed up. Y'all pray for him. And people have been praying for him sometimes for 15 years. But people just go through the same motions and their solution is to just do more of the same. Well, y'all, we got to get him out. So many of these things, people can recover themselves if they'll repent. Why is the enemy touching them like he is? Because they're not right. They're sinning. What's got to happen to close the door? Repent. Repentance is a gift. Oh, did you hear that now? Repentance is a gift that God allows you to see your error and see how to turn and the grace and strength to say, I repent and turn and change. That's a gift. Because when you do that, you slam the door on the enemy and you open the door to God in your life. Your life is about to change radically. I've prayed this for family members. I've prayed this for individuals again and again and saw wonderful results. What do you mean, Brother Keith? Ask God. We're going to do it right now. You ask God. I'll lead you in a prayer in just a moment. But we ask him for repentance for them. You know, the Bible talks about God gave individuals in the book of Revelation, give individuals who were absolutely wicked. He said, I gave them space to repent. And they didn't. But you can ask, say, Lord, would you give them, call their name, would you give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth? What does it mean? Enlighten the eyes of their heart and understanding. Help them to see the truth so that they can recover themselves out of the snare of the enemy. (laughs) It can happen so quickly and so radically that the next time you see them, you know something's happened. Something's different. And the bondage has changed and gone. It can happen just that quick. Stand on your feet, please. Let's act on this. Hallelujah. If there are people that you have in mind or think about it just a moment, specific individuals that God's brought on your heart and your mind, maybe you've been praying and praying and pleading and pleading and you haven't been seeing the results. We're going to do something different tonight. We're going to pray a different way. Close your eyes. And if you want to call their name under your breath at different times in the prayer, call their name specifically. You don't have to do it so loud that other people hear it necessarily, but call their name specifically. Say it out loud. Father God, thank you for your goodness to us, for keeping us, protecting us, enabling us to keep ourselves so the wicked one touches us not. We lift up 
these people before you. We lift up fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, friends. They're being touched by the enemy. They're being destroyed. It does not please you. It is not your will. But they've taken it out of your hands through their own disobedience and rebellion. But you are a great God, a merciful God, a gracious God. And we're asking you, according to the multitude of your mercies, we're asking for these people. Call their names as we say it again. We're asking for these people, for John and Susie and Bob. We're asking for them, Lord. Repentance. Please give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Give them enlightenment and understanding unto repentance that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the enemy that they may keep themselves and the wicked one touch them no more in Jesus name oh hallelujah 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 Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, come on, just praise Him a little bit. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory. Glory, 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 glory. Oh, you're a good God, gracious God, merciful God, gracious God, merciful God. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.